Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Well, it's good to be together, and I, I have things I want to do before I, I speak this morning. Um, one is to uh, just tell you this is Thanksgiving, and I'm very thankful for all that God does in my life, and I hope you are as well. Uh, one of the people that I want to just say something about real quick, and I don't do this very often, but it's good to have Dan Ridenauer here with us. Dan has been recently elected mayor of our city. I'm sorry, Dan, but... <laughs> um, Here's the deal. You didn't have to vote for him to pray for him, okay? He's not going to ask you, did you vote for me? He doesn't care. He's already been elected, so that's all done. Secondly, he needs a lot of prayer because we have a lot of things going on in our city, and I'm not here to, to bash anyone because, to be honest with you, I like all those people. I just really hurt for them, and I just want to pray for them and for Dan, that God will help us turn this city around, and we want to see God's kingdom come right here in Muncie. That's my prayer. So anyway, thank you, Dan, for what you do, and we will be praying for you. I want you to know that as a church, that, that our hearts are with you, and we're going to pray for you. So let me just pray as we begin. Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for being here. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, which is working and moving in this place. And Lord, today my heart is heavy. I'm coming in with heaviness, and, and Lord, I don't want to be heavy but it feels heavy today. And I don't know why, but I don't, I don't want to just stand up here and cry and be heavy. I want to hear from you. But Lord, sometimes things just get tough and you just have to come to you and just have to say, God, I don't know what to do. I'm just like a little kid. And Daddy, will you do something? And I pray today for you to move in this place. I pray for you to have breakthrough today in this place. Lord, I want to pray for uh, Dan today, God. I want to have breakthrough in our city. And Lord, I believe you have raised him up for such a time as this. And I don't know why, because to be honest with you, Dan had a great life and could have gone on and just done his own thing, but he chose to do what you wanted him to do. So Lord, I pray that your grace will be sufficient and that you will help him and Sherry and that they will find their way through all the stuff that's going on. And God, that you will bring glory and honor and praise to yourself as the city turns around. And God, I pray right now that you will speak to our hearts, that the word of God will be real and true. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. We, uh, we just give you praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26. This is where I want you to look today. And, and they are, these are words that are familiar to you. It's a story that you're going to know. And it's going to be up on the board as well. So you can, if you don't have your Bible or your phone with you, or don't know how to turn to your Bible app and your wife's not sitting next to you or something or your children aren't in here because they left and they turned there for you. You can find your way through to it. So, All right, Luke chapter 5, and I want to read these uh, words. One day as he, Jesus, was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. Sounds like they are having a Pharisee and teacher of the law convention. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. And I love that one. The power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. And some men come carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd 
right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, meaning when he saw the faith of the four men, he said, friend, your sins, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who's this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sin but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. This is one of my favorite stories in all of the entire Bible. I have always enjoyed reading this and always enjoy this and have been blessed by this story for so many different reasons. And there's seven that I want to give you today. And I worry they're not real long. I'm not going to take real long on each one. But I want to tell you why I believe this is one of the great stories. Number one is this. I love this story because it's the story of friends and faith together. Four men of faith who had a friend who was all broken and unable to care for himself. And instead of them just saying, oh, well, he's broken and moving on to some other friend, they come to him and they loved him. They knew he was too messed up, too broken to come to Jesus on his own. This man was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. He couldn't dress. He couldn't get himself up. He couldn't help himself in any way. But thank God, he had four friends who cared enough to take him to Jesus. I love that. That just speaks to me. And I'm thankful for those who I've had in my life who cared enough to take me to Jesus. Second one is this. I love this story because there are many reasons that people are broken and cannot overcome things in this life. Many, many reasons why we are broken and cannot help ourselves. I identify with a broken man. Anybody here identify with a broken man? Usually when we read this story, I think we think of ourselves as on the four corners. But I'm the guy laying down on the mat most of the time. I'm a broken person. I uh, have observed many broken people in my lifetime. There's many things that break us. Drug addiction is one. Feelings of unworthiness break us. Uh, a lot of you walking around and you're saying, but I don't feel like I should be like that important in anybody's life. That will break you. Uh, I don't know who I really am. We, we don't really have a clear identity in our minds of who we really are. That will break you. I'm too proud to seek help. That will break you every time. Too humiliated by the circumstances of life. Childhood abuses have happened. That will leave you broken. Just don't believe it's possible. That will leave you broken too able to do things yourself i'm telling you when you can do everything yourself and you don't need god you're broken you say no i've got it all together no you don't no you don't you're broken if you think you can do it yourself too busy too busy will break you i'm telling you right now if you're too busy to be reading the word if you're too busy to be getting into the times of prayer that we're trying to do if you're too busy to be a part of the community you're too busy and you're going to be broken it's coming your way if you have too much money, it can break you because you're depending on your money and not on God. If you have let too many things get in your way, uh, that will break you. If you're angry at life, that will break you. If you're resentful, that will break you. If you have too many material things, that will break you. We all have a time when we're broken. We all know people who have something keeping them from the help they really need. They've let things and stuff get in the way and block them off from Jesus. And they can't get to Jesus. We all know people who need help from Jesus. Maybe you have an adult child who says, well, I just don't believe in Jesus. They need Jesus. Maybe a coworker who is angry at life because of what a parent or spouse has done to them. 
you got to get to them. you got to help them. Maybe a spouse who's too proud to ask for help. I'll just do it my way. They all need Jesus. They're all broken. They're all the man laying on the mat. Third one is this. I love this story because it's so real to life. There are always people, places, and things that we can allow to get in the way of coming to Jesus. It's just a fact of life. There's always something that seems so much more important than Jesus. Let me ask you something right now. What's more important than Jesus in your life? Come on, I'm talking seriously to all of you. What's more important than Jesus in your life? Because if it's more important than Jesus, then it's wrong. It's in the wrong place. There's nothing in this life that's more important than Jesus. And when we start putting things in this life ahead of him, we're in trouble. Things like it's not a convenient time. Kids have activities, so we just can't add God to our schedule. I talked to someone this week, and I said, what happened? Because they used to go to church. They used to be a part of a fellowship. And they said, well, what happened? Did somebody say something? Did someone do something? Did, did someone act in a way that was inappropriate? Did the pastor you know, take advantage of you in a, in a business deal? What was it? And they said, no, the kids got busy and we just kind of put church on the back burner and we forgot to go anymore. It gets real quiet when you talk like this. It's busy at work. If I want a career, I have to strike when the iron's hot. I love these things. I, I love this story because it's so real to life. Fourth, I love this because this broken man has four friends with faith. I want to tell you why you need friends with faith. You need friends with faith because there's often times when we just can't see the truth of where we are and who we are at the moment. Anybody here understand what I'm talking about? I mean, you look in the mirror and you say, man, I look like I'm in good shape. And then a friend comes in and says, man, you are a mess. And you're going, what? And he tells you and you go, wow, I am a mess. Didn't realize it. You need friends with faith. You need friends who will help you, who don't care about your excuses. They don't care if it's convenient at the moment. And they don't even care if you're open to this. They just love you and they have compassion for you. And you need friends with faith who love you as a friend, who are willing to come up to you, confront you and tell you you're broken and you need help. You can't keep going on like you are right now. I'm thankful for people like that. I'm thankful for a wife like that. I'm thankful for people in a church like that. I'm thankful that I can't get by with my own shenanigans. That God has put people in my life who love me enough to tell me the truth, even though it ticks me off when it happens sometimes. But these people know that Jesus is real, and they know he's the healer. See, because it's not just enough to tell somebody, hey, guess what? You're broken. There's got to be an answer to it. There's got to be a solution to it. And these people who are people of faith know the answer, and the answer is Jesus. He's the healer. And, and this man's friends were just like these fellows. That They get together, and, and they picked up his bed, and they hauled him off to Jesus and this is kind of my own conjecturing here and backstory thoughts, but quite possibly they hauled him off to Jesus over his own objections to what they were getting ready to do to him. I don't want anyone to see me like this. It's humiliating. I don't go out in public. I'm not dressed properly. I'm still in bed. Just leave me alone. I don't need help. I can do this myself. I'm not all that sick, and I don't have time. I just want to be left alone. But they didn't listen, and they picked him up by the four corners of his bed, and they headed out carrying him to find Jesus. So when these people, these friends, got to the place where Jesus was, they found even more excuses. There's always more excuses that we can find as to why not to go to Jesus every time. 
I love this story because the broken man and his friends, uh, the broken man's friends just wouldn't let him give up when it got difficult. When it gets difficult, do you ever want to give up and just walk away and say, I've had enough, I'm done, let somebody else mess with this? I mean, I've, I've felt that so many times in my life, over and over and over again. How many times have you set out to tell somebody about their problem about Jesus, and you go out and you sit down to lunch, and there's a thousand reasons why all of a sudden right now is not the good time to do it? Anybody else? Besides me, ever had that? You go to the hospital. Somebody's in the hospital, and I want to talk to them because they're really sick, and I want to make sure they know Jesus. And I walk in there, and there's 14 doctors and three nurses, and it's like they never leave. And, you know, doctors usually are in and out in five seconds, but this time they decide to stay for three hours. You know, it's just, what in the world? It's just always like that. Satan loves to do that to us. He loves to make sure that you have a thousand good reasons to have good motives and not follow through on your good motives. I'm going to do that. I'm going to tell somebody. I promise this week I'm going to call that guy and I'm going to have lunch with him. I'm going to call that lady and have lunch with her. I'm going to make sure that they hear the word. They're going to know about Jesus. But something always gets in the way. The neighbors are all there. The place was packed with Pharisees and teachers. It just wasn't a good time to bring this poor, broken friend into Jesus' presence. It's going to make a scene. Maybe there would be a better time. We'll just take him home. And then we'll bring him some other time when maybe we can find Jesus a little more one-on-one. The men who carried him had to be a little discouraged as they got to that point. I can hear their friend, I told you this wasn't going to happen. I told you this was a bad idea. I told you just to leave me alone. We shouldn't have come here. But the four friends' faith, even though their faith may have wavered just a bit, remained strong because one of them, and that's why it's important to have more than one friend, because when one of their faiths wavering, the other one can pick them up. But then one of them says, I got an idea. And his faith begins to grow. And he scampers quickly up onto the roof and he yells at him, hand me up the ropes. And All right now, guys, you all get up here with me. And together they begin to pull. And I can hear the man's protest as they pull him up the side of that building. You're going to drop me. This isn't dignified. What are people going to say? What are people going to think? What's Jesus going to think? Put me down and take me home. It's just not the right time. This is ridiculous, guys. Leave me alone. And I love this story because the four man's, the man's four friends' faith fed on each other's activity. I think that's such a key. Because, all, because now all four of his friends' faith had increased as they did something. Oftentimes, our faith is wavering. Our faith is wavering. We're struggling. But if you'll take that first step, if you'll just step out there and grab a hold of it, if you'll just take that first step up onto the roof and say the word, our faith begins to increase. And so they quickly had him on top of the roof. They had him up on the rooftop and now they're committed and they're looking for a way into Jesus. How do I get him there? They get up there, there's no doorway down, there's no skylight to take off to drop him down they didn't know what to do they're looking around there's always obstacles to our faith every time i promise you today that if you're struggling with something or if you have faith and you're going to go do something this week and you got plans to tell somebody to, to get involved in something there's going to be an obstacle to your faith there's always obstacles to faith there's no doorway there's no skylight they probably knew who owned this house it was most likely peter the apostle's house from what we understand. And, and they probably knew Peter. Possibly these four guys were fishermen who fished alongside Peter all the time. And they knew about him. And one of them said with a laugh, 
I heard Peter's wife say she wanted a skylight. So it's time. And he begins to dig in the top of the roof and pull off the tiles until he had a hole. And they begin to move it until he had a big enough hole that he could drop the man down in front of Jesus. And they grasped the ropes in their hands and they quickly lower him to Jesus. And you know, there were those there that were indignant that day. Scribes and Pharisees, their tribe still lives today. This isn't the way you do church. Why do you guys, who do you think you are? You're just not cool. Look at you, you're up there and you're, you're just making a fool of yourselves. What do you think you're doing? You know, there were people present who hoped Jesus would rebuke these guys. I mean, they had it in their heart. I hope he rebukes them. I hope he tells them that, man, they are just ridiculous. Look, you tore up the roof and all that stuff. And they're hoping that he will humiliate them. Peter was probably just looking at his roof and shaking his head and going, now what do I do? But these four friends were full of hope and belief and faith that if they brought their friend to Jesus, Jesus would do something about it, that he would bring healing to these four friends. So they tied off the rope and they quickly slid down into the room to watch and Jesus looks at them. And here's where the story gets really, really good and intense. And I love this. He looks at them and then he looks at the paralyzed man and he saw the brokenness and he saw the need that was there. And he, Jesus, looked at the friends again and he saw the faith of these men who had worked so hard and so diligently to bring their friend to him. And don't miss this. Because if you have friends, have friends with great faith, Luke 5, 20 says, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and says, friend, your sins are forgiven you. And don't miss this. I love this story because Jesus forgave the man of everything he'd ever done in his life that went against the will of God. He forgave him that day. That was the first thing he did. He, he forgave this man. He didn't heal him first. He forgave him first. Jesus is all about forgiving you. He's all about making things right, getting your life in the right order. He's all, right, all, all about fixing that brokenness spiritually first. You know, a lot of us want to come to Jesus to get our, our arm straightened out, our knee fixed, or, you know, the cancer gone. Jesus wants to heal your heart first, your spiritual life first. He wants to put all that stuff that's messing up your life inside, all those things that people have done to you, all those attitudes, all those screwed up messes that we are from our past. He wants to heal all that first. I love this story. Jesus forgave this man of everything he'd ever done. Because his friends have enough faith to carry him in no matter what to Jesus. And look at this again. Listen to me carefully here because this gets weird and you're going to miss this if you're not careful. Jesus looks at him and he's in essence saying, I have the authority to fully and unequivocally forgive you completely and I will do that because of your faith-filled friends. This man didn't have faith, but his friends did. I don't think you're getting this because I'll tell you what, we ought to be jumping up and down stomping our feet right about now because I'm telling you what this is. is Jesus is telling us, guess what? You don't have to wait until they're faith-filled. You need to bring them now like they are if you have faith. Your faith can do the healing that needs to be done in these people's lives. And some of you've got family that's just not getting it. You've got children that are walking away from Jesus. And right now, you ought to be excited because your faith can bring them to Jesus. Your faith is the answer. Faith-filled friends. Jesus is moved by faith. He's moved by all faith. And then to prove his power, he had power over sin. Jesus heals the man in Luke 5, 24 through 26. And to recap here, Jesus forgave the man. Then he healed the man completely on the faith of his friends. I say to you, stand up, take your bed and go to your home. And immediately stood up before them, took what he had been lying on and went to his home, glorifying God. 
So what happened? Here's the deal. Somewhere along the way, as the four friends in total faith brought this man to Jesus, this broken man began to have some faith. It began to stir in his own soul. See, this paralyzed man had to believe just enough that when Jesus told him to get up, that he actually tried to get up. If he hadn't had any faith at all, he wouldn't have gotten up. He would have just laid there and said, yeah, right. But he had enough faith to try to get up. And when he tried to get up, he found out that he could walk, that he was whole again. He had to believe just enough that he would try. Somewhere along the way, this fellow had begun to have faith and believe. Somewhere along the way, as his friends believed and rejoiced in their faith, their faith began to rub off on him. Somewhere along the way, in the midst of their determination, faith began to stir inside of his own heart. And he began to ask questions inside of his own mind. What if Jesus really can heal me? What if he has the power to forgive me of the mess that my life is? What if he can put all things together and they're no longer broken? And his friend's faith began to grow inside of himself. His faith begins to grow. See, here's the deal. You got to understand this. Faith is contagious. It's very contagious, but I got to tell you something. So is doubt. And if you're walking around and you say, well, I'm a believer, but I doubt that God can do anything for my friend, you're right. You're absolutely right. He won't do a thing. He can't do a thing. But if you're walking around and your faith is growing and you're praying and God is helping you and you're praying and God is helping you and your faith is growing and you're beginning to pray for that friend and you're believing and God is increasing your faith for that friend, you will bring that friend to Jesus. It will happen. He may not have totally accepted, but you can bring him to Jesus. I can tell you that. It's contagious. Jesus said, I say to you, stand up, take your bed, and go to your home. He immediately stood up before them, took what he'd been lying on, and went to his home glorifying God because he had enough faith to try to get up. Sometimes our friends don't need a huge amount of faith. They just need a little bit of faith just so they give it a a chance. Two questions. I wonder how many of us need a friend with faith today who will carry us to Jesus. See, because when we gather in places like this, like I said earlier, we all identify as one of the men on the corner. But to be honest with you, I have a feeling there's a lot of us who are probably the man on the cot. We're struggling with our faith and we're struggling with our belief. Oh, we go to church and we sit in here week after week after week after week after week, but nothing's happening. And so our faith has wavered and we're sitting there a little broken. And we've never really dealt with all the stuff in our life. We've never dealt with the abuse. We've never dealt with the the ugliness. We've never dealt with the attitudes. We've never dealt with what our mom did or our dad did. We've never dealt with, with how we got treated when we were at church as a kid. We've never dealt with any of those things. And so we're all broken inside and we're walking around saying, but I'm okay. But we're not okay. We're just not. You're here today, but you have no faith. You're all broken. And you really doubt, here's the, here's the kicker, you really doubt that Jesus can heal you. I mean, you're sitting in church saying, well, yeah, I mean, that, I've heard about that, but I, I've never seen it really, so I doubt that really happens. I mean, that's on TV. Or, or that happens at, at, you know, a big church, but not a little or monthly first church. Or, or maybe you're hearing a voice right now going off inside your head that's saying something like this. If people here only knew the truth, the real me, they would ask me to leave this place because they don't know what I do in private when I'm all alone by myself and the things I think and the things I say and the way I act and the temper tantrums I throw and the things I look at. And, And truthfully, right now, a lot of you are sitting there going, man, I'd like to go home right now and keep hiding what's going on in my life so no one can see me. I'll just bury it deeper 
Or maybe you're saying, you know what, that he's right, and I'll just pray about this later. See, that's the problem by yourself. You can't do it because your faith isn't strong enough, but you've got friends with faith all around you right now who will get up here and they'll go to prayer for you and they'll pray until God comes. They'll help you. They'll help you deal with this. I mean, that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to take it home with you. He wants you to take home all the brokenness in your life, all the stuff. I mean, he wanted that man to go down the roof, back home, and lay on his bed and spend the rest of his life laying there talking about what could have been but wasn't. Because if he had gone home, the man would have said, you know, I went to Jesus once and nothing happened. And that's what a lot of us are saying. Oh, I went to Jesus once and nothing happened. Because you've never really fully given him everything. You've never laid it on the line. You've never gotten honest and serious enough to go, you know what? I'm not taking this home with me. He's either going to heal me or I die. And I'm sick and tired of pretending. You know, I, I really truly come to this conclusion that the reason people have quit coming to church so much is because no one is willing to be real and no one's getting well. It's our fault. It's about time to be real. Dude, you know what? This week, I had a real hard time. I had a tough week. Darcy and I didn't get along this week very well. I'm going to get real. We had, to, we had to get on our knees and pray. We had to figure it out because, you know, she doesn't see things right. <laughs> or something like that. You know, we're supposed to be the pastor of the church, and we struggle. Anybody else? Let's get honest, guys. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something else. You know what? I have things going on in my brain sometimes that just, you know, God help me, but I begin to doubt some things from time to time. Anybody else? Amen? Let's get real. I'm tired of pretending. I want to see people get well. But the thing is, is that there are friends with faith and they're here today who will carry you to Jesus and to healing. And we need to do that. That's what the community is supposed to be all about. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. We've all experienced brokenness. If you haven't experienced brokenness, it's because you're lying to yourself. You're not being real because you are broken. Every one of us, the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus has met me and healed me because I have friends with faith who held me up and who have prayed for me and who have carried me to Jesus on a repeated basis. I wonder how many of us have a friend in our lives who needs Jesus today. Man, we need to have friends who need Jesus in our lives. I wonder how many of us have enough faith in our hearts right now and are good enough friends that we'll do whatever it takes to bring that person to Jesus. That we're going to do whatever it takes. I've got son who doesn't know Jesus, and I'm going to quit making excuses about how he's a good kid. He's a good kid, but he's a good kid who's lost. I'm going to quit making excuses about my, my daughter. She's not living the way she should, and she needs Jesus. And I'm going to tell the truth, and I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring them to Jesus. Even if I have to do all the heavy lifting myself. Because they matter to me. I want them in heaven. I want them with Jesus forever. And even right now, I'm tired of watching them struggle in life like there's no hope when there's all kinds of hope available. If they'll just accept what Jesus has done for them. See, a lot of us checking out about right now. And going, well, you know, it's lunchtime's coming up. Let's get on to the communion thing. Don't check out here. This is so important. I wonder how many of us would bring our friends, our loved ones to Jesus, kicking and screaming, but still determined because you know 
that if you get them to Jesus, you will find forgiveness and healing. I wonder how many of us have enough compassion and faith that when Jesus looks at us, he can look at us and see our faith and he can use our faith to take care of them. Do you have that kind of faith? You have to have that kind of faith if you're going to make a difference in the world that we live in. I fear that most of us, including myself, would have heeded the paralyzed man's plea and left his dignity intact and picked him up and taken him home. I've done that so many times. I hate to say that, but I confess, Lord, that many times when people start getting upset at me, I'm willing to just say, all right, all right, keep your dignity. But I've had to preach funerals of people that I didn't finish telling about Jesus. And I'm telling you something right now. My heart just, it haunts me. It haunts me. It's so easy to just say, I just have to respect, it as, respect his wishes. I got to tell you the truth. My parents would have respected my wishes. I'd eaten candy for every meal. And I'd never gone to school. And I am thankful they didn't honor my wishes. Aren't you? <laughs> I'm glad they knew what was best for me and they did it even though I got mad at them. I called them names once in a while. I mean, I was upset. Didn't take it very well. Back in those days, a name meant you're going to find something ugly in your stocking and it was usually a stick and it wouldn't even need to be Christmas. But I did it. I think a lot of us would just simply have said, well, I tried, but there's too many obstacles in the way. I fear that most of us would have taken him home and given up. I fear that even if we got in front of Jesus, many of us would have had too many doubts to whether Jesus could really heal the man that he could have used our faith, that he couldn't have used our faith. I mean, you know, how many of us right now are sitting there going, man, you know, I don't know if I believe that or not. I don't know if I believe that Jesus can really heal. I can testify he does. I've been healed. I've experienced his healing firsthand in a powerful way. He heals. Most of us look at our friends and say, there's nothing we can do. They are too far gone. She's an atheist. He's an addict and wants nothing to do with God. They think faith is a joke. How many of you have ever heard of a man named C.S. Lewis? Anybody here ever hear of C.S. Lewis? A few of you. The rest of you need to get out of your cocoon and go read. He's good. Good stuff. Read Mere Christianity. Read The Great Divorce. Read a bunch of different ones. He's an amazing writer. There Simply Christian, yeah, that's another good one. C.S. Lewis had a friend of faith. His name was J.R.R. Tolkien. Anybody here ever heard of J.R.R. Tolkien? He wrote a little book called uh, The Hobbit and then another series called The Lord of the Rings. Anybody heard of those? That's a, it's a fairly good-sized movie and book that he wrote. I mean, it's pretty famous for. Tolkien was a man of deep faith. If you don't understand that, those books were written about his faith, by the way. They're a journey. It's a journey of faith. And a lot of people miss that, but he was writing in a very, in a way, that, uh, speaking of his faith. And, and, and he was a man of deep faith, and so he kept bringing his friend Lewis to Jesus through his conversations with him. See, the problem was, is that Lewis was an atheist. C.S. Lewis had fought in World War I, and he had witnessed the horror and the terror that went with that horrible conflict and he had watched men destroy other men. He had watched the hate and the, and the angst and the anger and all the ugliness that man could possibly muster up. And he had come home and concluded that with all that hate, with all that anger, and with all that, there could not possibly be a God. And he had completely shut off that part of his life and said, there is no God. But Tolkien 
just kept bringing Lewis lovingly to Jesus. And finally one day, because of Tolkien's faith, Lewis began to see a glimmer of hope. And Tolkien didn't give up. He just kept bringing him to Jesus. And that glimmer began to grow stronger until finally the light of Jesus Christ began to shine on Lewis and then in him. And he came to a place where he could believe. And he was saved. And he's become one of the great apologists for our Christianity in the world. And it was because of Tolkien's faith that Lewis found his own faith and believed. I love that. That stirs my heart every time because I've got friends that don't believe. I've got friends that tell me that they're atheists. I have a good, my son has a good friend that, that, that has grown up in our home and at one time I think probably had some sort of a belief but who has now decided through his time in college and different things that he doesn't believe at all. And so we just keep bringing him to Jesus in our prayers and in our conversations in the hopes that the light of Jesus will begin to shine on his heart. And I keep telling my son, don't give up, don't give up, keep talking to him because they meet and they talk a lot and he comes back and he tells me, oh man, he drives me crazy. He says this, he doesn't believe anything. He believes that Thor is God. And, and you know, oh man, you know, that seems really crazy. But just don't give up. Just keep believing. Just keep talking to him. Just keep loving him because the light's shining. Whenever we're inclined to bring a friend to Jesus, there's going to be obstacles. People are going to get in the way. Circumstances are going to be less than ideal. The person's going to try and reject you and your help, but, and Satan's going to get involved and do everything he can to stop this, but we have to keep shining our light into the darkness. Did you know there's no such thing as darkness? Darkness is simply the absence of light. That just like there's no such thing as cold, it's the absence of heat. You can ask anybody who's a physicist, they can explain that to you. I can't give you all the details. It's true, ain't it, Richard? It's true. Amen. Thank you. I forgot you were back there. I should have asked you to say that for me, but it's true. Thank you. And, and the reality is, is that if you keep shining your light, the darkness will repel. It will go back because the more lights that shine, the less darkness can be there. Darkness has to flee light. Darkness can never overwhelm light. I don't care how dark it is. If you turn on light, it's going to get light every time. So keep shining your light in the darkness of your friend's life. Shine your light because your light, your faith is rubbing off on them. And you may not think so, but it is. And your faith is slowly opening their eyes. And it does that as long as we're faithful to it and as long as we don't give in and just give up. Jesus is noticing your faith also. He's pointing at you and he's saying, check this guy out to all the angels in heaven. Look at that faith. I can forgive people through him. I can make it happen. And right now your friend's faith isn't sustainable on its own, but it's growing. Keep shining Jesus. The darkness is fading. The darkness is fading. Keep shining Jesus. Your kids are starting to get it. Keep shining doing what's right, Dan, because the darkness is going to have to flee as we do what's right. Darkness has to go away. It has to. Here's the deal. Your faith has to be real. You can't shine someone else's faith. It just doesn't work. You can't shine something you don't have. You can't fake it. You can't help someone or give away what you do not know personally in your own life. If you don't have faith, then you're in the paralyzed man's place. You're laying on the mat and you need a friend with faith who can help bring you to Jesus. But if your faith is genuine, even if you're hurt and even if you're broken, it cannot help but shine in the darkness and offer hope to those who are hopeless and healing will come. May not be right away, but keep shining. And then also, we have to have faith in the right one. If you do not have faith in the right one, if you have faith in things that are not the right one, you're in trouble. Our faith is not in the church. Church is going to mess up from time to time. And 
if you have faith in me, I'll mess up sometime. And somebody's going to say something. Someone's going to do something, hurt your feelings. You're going to get defended. It's just going to happen. It does to me all the time. Don't have your faith in the church. And it's not in what we can do. It absolutely is not in what we can do. We can do a lot of great things, but it doesn't matter if we have everything perfect and we do not have our faith. If we do not know Jesus personally, it'll matter none whatsoever in this world. Our faith is in Jesus being the Son of God. And our faith is in that what He said He will do, He will do. Our faith is what Jesus has done for us on the cross. He went to the cross for us. He died on the cross for us. And He has completed the work. It is not something that you have to do for yourself. You do not have to figure it out. It's not what you stop doing and and what you won't do. It's what He did for you on the cross. He died. He took every sin that has ever been committed and He nailed it to the cross. It's a done deal. Our faith is in the resurrection and the life that's been sacrificed for our sin. Right now, I can tell you that on the third day he arose, and he was eyewitnessed by many after that, and he is alive. He is different. I've got to tell you something. When someone tells you they're going to die, and they're going to rise three days later, and they go and they die, and three days later you see them walking around, you believe them. I promise you that. That's what our faith is in. Our faith is in the truth that Jesus has come to heal all of our sins. He said, I have come and taken all your sins and all your diseases. He didn't say, I came and took a few of them, and, but there's a few I can't touch. He said, I took them all. He wants to forgive all, and he wants to heal all of it. So my question to you, first of all, today is this. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? I don't mean, do you know about him? Have you read about it in the Bible? Or I want to know, have you experienced him? Have you met him and had that moment where he came and he forgave you and you felt the peace of God that passes understanding and you just went, wow, God is real. And faith began to take off. Do you have enough faith, secondly, to carry someone to Jesus? Faith enough to overcome some obstacles in the way. Faith enough to lead someone to Jesus. I want to wrap this up by telling you a few things I'm thankful for real quick because it's Thanksgiving Sunday. I'm thankful for people for friends, many of them adults when I was a child who had faith enough to carry me kicking and screaming into the presence of Jesus. I got a list. I don't know about you guys, but I've made a list of those guys. And I've tried to thank them before they pass away. Most of them are in heaven now. And they're probably up there exhausted going, man, we did our best. <laughs> but I'm thankful for those guys and those ladies who loved me enough to believe in me so that I could be saved. I'm thankful for the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every day I get up and I just, I'm overwhelmed by that anymore. I I don't understand why he would do that. He had everything, but he chose. He gave himself. I'm so thankful that he died for all sin, for all time, that forgiveness is not just for you, but it's for me. And that he also healed me from the devastation of sin. And that all I have to do, I don't have to figure it all out. I don't have to go to school and theology classes to figure it all out, although that's fine. All I have to do is accept it. All I have to do is believe it and say, yes, Lord, and begin to have faith. And he doesn't say your faith has to be perfect. He says, just have faith. And then he sends people into our lives to help our faith begin to grow. So I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that God has called me and you and us together to participate in the act of redemption. He did the work on the cross, and he's given it to us now 
to love others and to have faith enough to go to our brother and our sister and say, come on, we're going to do this. You can do this. You can find the forgiving grace of God. Finally, I'm thankful I have family. The Bible says that God puts the lonely in families, and I'm thankful that today I'm in family because my heart would be very lonely without my family. I have a family who loved me enough to lead me to Jesus when I was a kid. My mom prayed for me. I found her on the knees at the couch. Usually my name was the one she was mentioning. I had four sisters. She didn't need to pray for them near as much as me. But she prayed a lot for me. She didn't do everything else perfect, but she prayed a lot for me. Thank God for that. I'm thankful now for the family of God that I get to be a part of. I'm thankful that I get to walk in here and that, and that I've had 20 four plus years now of participating in the family of God with you, that you have loved me and cared for me even though I mess up frequently and that you forgive me for my sins and that we love each other back and forth because I've had to forgive some of you too. It goes both ways. But we do it because we love each other, because we know Jesus, because he's our father. It's like when I go to Christmas, I meet with my sisters. You know, every time I get with them, my mind goes to all the stuff they used to do to me. Anybody else have that problem? You know, I, you know, when you have four sisters and your mom doesn't really understand men or boys very well and your dad works all the time, you get yourself in a really scary place. And I lived there most of my life. And, and, and so my mind goes to that. But you know what? I'm always thankful. I go to loving them. I go to caring about what happened. I get to be a part of that family. And that's why I am here at church. You know, I come in here and there's pain and there's things that happen and I think, oh man, right over here, I can, I can take you around in this building and show you places where things happened and where things were said or something was done and, and my heart goes, oh, you know, at times. But then I'm reminded, oh, the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus has uh, forgiven me, he's forgiven you, and we don't worry about those things, we just love each other. We're broken. We have problems like all families, but our faith together is bringing redemption into the lives of others. I'm thankful finally that I have a great wife who loves the Lord completely and who's willing to, to sacrifice her life for me and for you guys. She has no idea the amount of hours that she spends on her knees in prayer for this church and for you individually and for me especially. Thank you. Thank you for being loving people who have redeemed us and forgiven us. We need it. We need it. Today, we're getting ready to have communion together, and as we wrap up, that's the response, but it seems to me that just having communion seems almost not what we need to do, but my heart just says that maybe some of you just need to come and pray, and you need to have friends with faith gather around you and hold you up so that you can deal with what's going on so there can be a healing in your life right now. Maybe you need to pray. Or maybe you need to forgive somebody. Or maybe there's some of you who say, you know, I've got a loved one that just doesn't know Jesus and I want them to know Jesus and I'm willing to pray before I take communion. Because when we take communion, what's really happening is, is that we are, we're saying that we believe, that we trust, that we receive all that Christ has for us. And we take it, it's a form, it's not, you know, it's not actual blood, it's not actual body, but it's the representation of all that Christ did for us. And we're saying we'll do it and then we're saying we'll do it together and we'll say we're doing it and we love each other and we forgive each other and we're going to do it together as one. We're going to represent, you know, we're going to see what Christ, we're going to be like Christ as we do that. You know, I, I wonder after Christ was raised from the dead, if he ever ran into the soldiers who were 
his cross, nailing his hands to the cross. And what he did, I mean, what he might have felt like at first as the human part of him might have said, man, I want to go after them. But as the God part of him said, they're forgiven. I love those guys. I love those guys. Amen. Faith, faith, man. Amen, Pete. Amen, Pete. It's amazing. That's what God wants to do. Amen. Faith, the child, that's all it takes. So let's stand together, and we're going to come up the middle aisle and, and take communion together. Just come to the middle and come up. There's a place on either side. But, but if, before you do that, if, if God is speaking to your heart, well, wait a minute. Sit down a second. I got something else to do. I'm all off. Sorry, Richard. Didn't want to forget you. Richard's going to sing. Richard got a song to sing to you. You need to listen to this. And if God's speaking to your heart about your family, about our family, or whatever, would you just maybe think about praying before you take communion together? It's okay if you don't, but if God's speaking to your heart, I just want to offer that to you. And then we're going to receive communion. Ian will be over here. Pastor Ian will be over here, and I'll be over here. And and we'll receive communion together. (laughs) Lord, right now, on the night in which you were captured and taken into custody and crucified, you took the bread, you broke it, and you said, this is my body, because I love you so much. You passed it out to us, and it's still going down the line, because we were included in the circle, and the basket is still being passed around, and we're going to receive it in a minute. Praise you, Jesus. And you took the cup and you said, this is my blood, which is for the forgiveness of sin. Washes away all the sins of the world. And there was enough blood to cover them all. Not just enough for those men, but for the world forever and ever and ever. My sins. Thank you, Jesus. I give you praise. I give you praise. Amen. Richard. Lord, as we have received your body, the blood, we're reminded that we're part of something bigger than us. And so, Lord, as we leave this place, may we go out and may our faith be enough to lead someone else to you. May we take it to others. And bring them to you. What a hope we have if we'll just give it away. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for all that you do. We are so good. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a great week. No Wednesday night prayer meeting. We're going to just let you enjoy your time with your families. Lord bless.